0: You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors episode 15, and this episode is about one of the great classic outdoors activities, which is horseback riding, or to use more proper terminology, equestrian sports. Our guest today is Rachel Daly from Tralie Equestrian Center, and I had an opportunity to talk to Rachel about various aspects of horseback riding and equipment that is required, and also, if you want to own a horse, and but not necessarily have a place in your backyard to keep a horse, apparently that, that doesn't stop you, that doesn't have to stop you from owning a horse. There are good solutions for you, and obviously uh, Tralie Equestrian Center can, can help and assist um so before we jump into into the main podcast uh i just want to remind you please go and subscribe to tommy's outdoors on itunes stitcher soundcloud or any other good podcasting platform uh if you like it leave the review and rate us five stars of course and um so that's it for the intro and now without further ado rachel daily Hello, everybody. Today with me, Rachel from Tralee Equestrian Centre. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure uh, to have you and uh, uh, thank you for doing this. It's a a major operation going on here. Yeah, I mean,
1: we've got a pretty big setup. Um, We've got, I mean, upwards of 20 to 30 horses, depending on the time of year. Oh, my God. We kept going.
0: Oh, my God. So maybe just just really just to jump right into it. Um, maybe you can tell tell us what you're doing, what are the services, and maybe even before that, I just want to point out that uh, we're talking about outdoors in this podcast, and I think that experiencing outdoors on the horse is is probably one of the great and classic way of experiencing outdoors. And if you think about all these, you know, air era, of the mountain man and all that, I think a horse was like an integral part of it.
1: For sure. And I think um, with like the popularity of things like Game of Thrones and Vikings and people are seeing a lot more like horses on telly and stuff. And so they kind of think it might be worth trying out. for me, for sure, like there's nothing better, whether it's a beach or a forest or across the mountain. I think, you know, you can walk it and it's pretty and it's cool and it's lovely with your dog. But I think when you're on a horse, there's just kind of this different kind of almost nostalgic kind
0: of right. kind
1: of feel like a Viking. A like, vibe. Yeah, like a little bit. It's It's cool. All right.
0: So listen, so so what is Tralee Equestrian Center and and what you guys are doing?
1: So we kind of do a bit of we dabble in everything. Um we kind of try to to be as as varied as possible to be open to anyone. Um so our our main kind of deal is we're a riding school. Um so we work with both preschool children and then from children upwards of age 4 up to adults. Um, maybe kids that have never sat on a horse or an adult that's never sat on a horse um, ride up to those experienced riders that are competing um, and that potentially even want to go international. Um, We also cater to your tourists that you know just fancy having a canter on the beach or maybe it's a honeymoon break and they want okay. to go for a romantic stroll so on the once beach. Off, so, so once off, yeah, so fine as so, well. You don't yeah, have to be like a member. No, right no, now. not at all. I mean, it can be, you can come and and chat to us any day and, you know, um, do try it once and see how you like it. Or, you know, some people tend to get roped in and, you know, a lot of kind of equestrians joke that it's a bit of a bug that once you right. get in, you're kind of, right. you get horse fever and you're stuck in it. Um, we also um, have liveries, so for your non-equestrian listeners, yes. um, that would be for that someone. That was my question, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, liveries is if you've got your own horse and maybe you don't have the facilities at home to um, care for it, you know, that it, you know it's a bit different than having a dog, you know, you can't right. put a horse in your back garden, um, we stable them here um and we feed them and muck them out so when you're at your day job you know your four-legged baby is it's kind of a bit like a long-term that's hotel that's,
0: that's great because you kind of preempt one of my questions right because one of my questions is like if someone wants to have a horse or, or a kid want to have mm-hmm. a horse right and and so you said that like you can essentially buy a horse mm-hmm. and stable it here yes and how does it work then?
1: So it would work in a way. So we have different kinds of liveries. So you would have a um, a working livery where if the horse is suitable that we could potentially use it in lessons with our own clients, then okay. um, our own clients can ride it. Then you have what we call full livery, which is kind of the VIP package, if you want. Right. So that would be where your horse is fed. And we we use the term muck out. We just clean, mm-hmm. pick up poo. Yeah. Uh, it's a classy yeah. term for poo picking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's aimed at anyone really. You know, it's aimed at your adult that's working. You know, they've got a, a Monday to Friday job. They don't. Want to be getting up at six o'clock in the morning to muck out a stall, to then have to face into a full day of work. You know, maybe they right. just want to come and ride their horse in the evening and know that it's being looked after by a team that have been trained and mm. and and
0: know what they're doing. How convenient! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Does it does it? Do you think that does take a little bit from the experience?
1: I think it depends. I mean, like I've had horses at home at my at my own house. Um, and I've had them on livery yards. And I think there is a certain kind of loveliness about having them at home and maybe looking out your back I door. I mean, and like, yeah, them.
0: like, you're sure, the horse recognizes you and, you, and yeah, you're greeting that, it in the morning and you're feeding it. and yeah, so while absolutely. here, it's just the relation, like, kind of like, oh, right, I'm just going to.
1: Yeah. I mean, that. I suppose that depends on, on your relationship with your horse and how you view, um, how you want your relationship with your horse to progress. I mean, right. It, it, people differ some people see them as you know just a hobby some people see mm-hmm. them as their soulmates. some people see them as you know their their competition partner so it depends on each i suppose individual riders needs and individual horses needs right. um all the horses on the yard are very different all their personalities are so different and they really do like they're i think they're a lot more intelligent than people give them credit for mm-hmm. um and i think when you get to know them they each do have these really individualistic personalities yeah. that it it can be surprising after a while when you get to know them and you see and you know some of them might be a bit grouchy but they mm-hmm. do all have these really kind of distinct characteristics that tell them apart right
0: so so but i'm thinking about it. like what is the difference between having the horse and the livery and just not having a horse and just showing up here at your facility is it like well okay can i you know ride a horse is it is it matter of availability yes, that yeah. then you always know that whatever you please you can show yeah, up and absolutely. ride the horse rather yeah, than yeah so
1: i mean when when you own your own horse you know, obviously you, you're absolutely free to do as you wish with that horse um whereas if you were to come and just do a lesson it would be a preordained time and you know, you'd have okay. to slot that into your schedule whereas you know, we've had various people on livery with us that have, you know, their jobs aren't necessarily just nine to five. So mm. they could be here riding at six a.m. or they could be here riding at nine p.m. So it, it it's kind of a lifestyle that it it suits them. Sure. Um, and some people, you know, just don't have the the facilities at home to to keep a horse. Yeah. And to keep a horse, I mean, it's not simply a case of putting a horse in the field and he's happy there. Mm. You know, you've got to organize a shelter and. The majority of horses, I mean, they're a herd animal. They were never intended to be yeah. kept on their own. Right. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to have a horse at home, are you willing to have a second one? Okay, you know? so, so it's like
0: almost better for the horse to have a on livery than, than and, and just poor soul horse. Standing. Sitting on his own. And mm. one
1: of the things that we're really, really passionate about, and, and I've been an advocate for for a long time, is that while yes, obviously the horses stay in the stables in the bad weather and the winter as often as we can the horses on the yard live in a herd right. you know and that they have obviously they ride they can and interact they work, with each other yeah that they have that still i mean at the end of the day it's an animal hmm. and you know we have to respect the fact that it, it needs a certain amount of socialization with its own species and you know they do things like they groom and they create bonds and and, and friendships within their mm-hmm. their groups and pecking orders and i do genu- genuinely think that that leads to happier healthier horses and no, no, no doubt i mean it has, for, it has to and for the the school horses we have we'll say for clients coming for lessons i i mean i'm very biased because i've, I've worked here for a long time now and i know them really well but as a rule they're generally very happy horses they come mm-hmm. running in from the fields in the morning ready to go to work and you know that to me you know if they didn't want to come in and they didn't want to you know go to work they'd They'd stay on the mountain and they go, ah no, I'm not coming in. Right, so, right. You know, I do think that it, 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 it's a good it's a good ethos and it's a good way to keep them.
0: So listen, so if, if if anyone is already kind of interested in that, what's the what's the best way to start? What's the what's the you know, I'm not saying necessarily to get probably getting on horse is not the best way to start. But what do you what you would recommend like a gradually um, how to get into So
1: for someone who's never ridden before but maybe has a kind of inclination, the first thing I I always say is you are never too old. Mm-hmm. um I get an awful lot of parents even say, you know, I, I, you know, say to them, "Oh, you know, when why wouldn't you start?" And oh, I'm too old. You're never too old. That's an excuse. That's a it's, common. Yeah, that's a common excuse. Really common excuse for a lot of things. And I think people have this kind of preconceived notion that the equestrian world is maybe a bit snobbish and a bit posh mm-hmm. and a bit mm-hmm. and really we're not we spend 90 percent of our time picking up poo mm-hmm. it's, it's not as glamorous as mm-hmm. people make it out to be and my advice for someone who's maybe thinking of it and has maybe not made a decision mm-hmm. is even you know have a have a look online pick a center you know mm-hmm. we're we're here it's seven really days a, question a week <laughs> yeah, obviously yeah. The one recommended. <laughs> definitely um But come and visit us, come and come and chat to the instructors and meet the horses. And, you know, that way you don't necessarily have to take that big jump and get on one, Mm -hmm. but get a feel for the place, get comfortable. Um, And from there, you know, I would always suggest to someone more so adults than children um, to start off with just one private lesson, just a one to one with the instructor that you can just get a, a kind of a feel for it. And the one thing I say to everyone before they come is why? Why do you want to get on a horse? Is it Mm -hmm. that you want to learn to compete? Is it that you want to do it just for fun? Or that you just think it would be a good form of exercise? And from there, your instructor can tailor your horse to suit. They can tailor your lessons to suit. And, you know, it it makes the whole experience a lot more pleasurable Mm -hmm. and a lot easier for both the instructor and the student.
0: Sure, sure. So uh, another question is like, terminology like is is there like horseback riding or is it like equestrian sports like um, is it like what what's the what's the name it to depends. properly?
1: i mean you know you get it 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 really does depend like there are different disciplines within the kind of equestrian in, in horseback riding you have various um styles and you have various sports so you know it's it's not you've got horse racing you've got um Dressage, which in kind of layman's term is dancing with horses. Mm-hmm. Um you've got show jumping, which is that much... is
0: that what you see that the horse is yeah, making yeah. steps and going yeah. backwards and like um, oh, okay.
1: you've got um show jumping, which everyone knows. You've got eventing, which is kind of um it's a combination of dressage, show jumping, and cross country, which is where the lunatics are (laughs) that's where they jump the really big obstacles really fast and it's mildly terrifying to watch but it's fantastically good fun (laughs) um and then you have you know your if you watch your western movies you have your cowboys and the western discipline is not really practiced in europe it's a different riding style um the the vast majority of of places in in Europe ride and what we would consider English style, so I mean that's just your typical that's
0: a that's an interesting thing y- Ytash, you know we 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 spoke about before we started recording and I said like years ago i was I was kind of sitting on a horse and yeah. was trying that a little bit and now when you said it, I remember that my friend was explaining to me the difference between the saddle like which is American saddle which is yeah, different and european like or or english um so, so, maybe why are we on this? Can you explain that? What's the difference between? The
1: difference. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, I could get shot for this. Um, why? Because, because the equestrian world, there, seemed, there seems to be this kind of um, bitter stalemate between Western riders and English writers. Oh, really? Riders over is, the, is that one looking,
0: looking up or um, down on another? <laughs> yeah. You,
1: I mean, you get that quite a lot, but you get that in any sport. Um, right. I have ridden both. Mm-hmm. I prefer English. I think I prefer English because I was brought up riding English. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I call myself a dressage rider. I, yeah. I try. I try. Yeah. Not very. Yeah. It, it all depends but on the background, yeah, right? Probably if you, yeah, if you're absolutely. born and raised in Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. There is a difference. I generally think English riders find it easier to ride Western than Western riders find it easier to transfer over for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. The Western saddles as a rule are quite a lot bigger than the English saddles. Mm-hmm. And they've got this um it's not really a lump, it's almost like a handle in, in front of you that you can hold on to. So mm-hmm. I suppose from maybe a once off rider's point of view, a Western saddle might feel a bit safer. Because they can hold on. Because they the- can literally <laughs> hold on for dear life. Um they they use their hands differently, they use their legs differently, they have different disciplines. Um it, I mean, look—you've got pros and cons for both mm-hmm. kinds of riding. But from the
0: perspective of effectiveness of handling a horse, for the for one of a better word, is Ooh. that just say is that the same thing essentially? Look, does I, the horse care?
1: I think once a horse is well trained and a rider is well trained, I'm of the opinion that so long as the horse is happy and the rider is happy, mm-hmm. and then so long as both are happy and it's controlled and it's safe, then. Yeah. Go for
0: it. Yeah. Um, I have a funny feeling that I touch on a controversial subject here. <laughs> the,
1: I wouldn't even call it controversial. I think it's just that um Western riders and English riders are both very passionate. And they've obviously been brought up in their way of riding. is it like
0: road cycling and mountain biking?
1: I think, yes. I think kind that's of, the easiest kind of, yeah. kind of thing. Um, Western riders and English riders, like Western riding is very effective and it's been used... Probably in more of a work environment than English riding, and you have you know your your mm. ranch owners and stuff cutting cattle. Um, whereas English riding has become more of a, a sport rather than um, it doesn't really serve a day to day purpose. Right. Right. So Western riders, to be fair, I mean, and I've seen some phenomenal Western riders and Western horses. Mm-hmm. It just never really picked up. I think in Europe because there's not a whole lot of. Need for it, I I, I, can't. It's,
0: I. I think it's natural kind of split because yeah. you, you know I I I sometimes say like there is a. There is a European way of hunting and American way of hunting. Where again, in European, you have you have a lot of uh, kind of etiquette, let's say, and 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 uh, you know tradition and clothes and all that. Where and where well, an American is more like a kind of rural, so to say, a little bit gun ho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Without
1: offending anyone.
0: Exactly, exactly. So this is this is same thing. So that's that's kind of not surprising. So so listen. We 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 touch on, on saddles and different yeah. saddles. So now going back a little bit to somebody who wants to start. Yeah. What equipment is a, like a, um, for the for the starters? For so the I standard. presume like for for very start doesn't need anything because they will just come up come up here yeah. and you guys are gonna supply everything. But yeah. is it useful after a while? Even if without owning on horse yes. to have some equipment. Absolutely,
1: because. We um, we supply helmets. Um, we do have body protectors. Helmets are um, compulsory. Body protectors are, I suppose, they're like a, a body armor. I suppose really are not compulsory, um, but they are recommended until someone reaches eighteen, especially oh, okay. if they're doing quite a lot of jumping, just for safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing ever fits as good as your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously up until a certain point, and regardless of whether you never have any intentions of owning your own horse you know I think owning your own set of boots your own helmet and if if you choose to wear a body protector owning your own body protector Mm -hmm. then definitely I think but I do try and tell people you know don't go out and buy all the gear straight away because
0: there's always there's always easy way to get rid of a couple of thousand euros
1: absolutely (laughs) and I mean it's it's it it, the thing about horse riding is it, it can be an expensive sport but it for me and I mean I can't speak for every equestrian but for me, it has been my life for the the bones of 16, 17 years. Mm. And it can be frustrating, but it I mean, if you like animals and if you like being outdoors and, and it's one of the most rewarding experiences I think you will ever have is working with an animal that is, you know, almost half a ton mm. and that it is just, it's just different. I mean, I don't mm. think there's any other sport you can do where you work that closely with an animal with its own brain and its own mind and work as a partnership and when you get that feeling of working together with an animal i, I think mm-hmm. it's a bit different from you know being on a surfboard or being on a bike or yeah. because you're you know in Full control. You, you
0: need to take more, more of the account of the yeah. mind and the. Prob- when, probably horse have a mood and yeah, it's a better day. Trust me,
1: if you've got a female horse, you will know all about moods. <laughs> uh, speaking from an owner of a, of, of two mares, right. um, but yeah, no, I think there is there is no for me. There's no better feeling.
0: Sure, sure. So, so you're saying? So, what I picked up is like uh, helmet, uh, boots, yeah. body protectors for a starter for
1: starters and then i mean like unless you're you're competing there's no kind of dress code um mm-hmm. you know it used to be years ago it used to be those like those really weird white breeches and mm-hmm. everyone had to wear them all the time mm-hmm. um the equestrian world has gotten we've gotten a lot more fashionable recently mm-hmm. we're we're quite we're getting there Good. um you know just something comfortable we tend to advise not jeans because they they don't they're not very stretchy Mm-hmm. um and they can chafe and they can get sore so mm-hmm. you know uh, with the the recent SPAT and fitness you know a mm-hmm. good pair of leggings um a nice so... tracksuit something comfortable that you're going to be able to have a bit of freedom of movement in um mm-hmm. is is perfect
0: right and what about saddle is it is it Good idea to get the owner? or like
1: no, um, for the simple fact that we try and aim to fit the saddle to the horse first. Aha,
0: uh-huh, of course. So that's uh, the point yeah. that you're working with the animal is not only you need yeah, to, see, and saddle so, is kind of like an interface between the both.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I mean, a saddle when you're getting your own horse, you know, saddles are, are a a very expensive game, but b, um, it has to fit your horse because um, where I think a lot of people go wrong when they buy a horse is they go and I've done it. You go for the cheapest one you can find, but Mm -hmm. you end up then with your horse potentially having back problems. Um, Mm. at the, what a lot of people I think forget is that horses are athletes and they have feelings and they have, you know, they pull a muscle in the same way Mm. we do. So there's a lot of, I think stuff that goes on behind the scenes of, you know, small equestrian centers, big equestrian centers that people don't see, um, like we've had two horses have had the physio in the last week, and hmm. we try and get physio regularly to all of our horses just to make sure that oh. they're they're comfortable and you're they're treating not them like an athlete and, like you yeah, said, yeah like absolutely like and I think you know if you're going to seriously from the view of getting into horses as as a full time sport or as a full time hobby, I think it's something that people need to be more aware of is taking the horse into account in their physicality and their mentality.
0: Wow! Um, how could you not if you, you know, it's like, you'd in, be cent- surprised. It's like in the center of the whole thing. You would thing. be
1: surprised. It's it's. I mean, it's only very recently that that people, I think, have started cluing on to, you know, thinking more about the horse rather than themselves. Right. Um, wow!
0: tell me, so, so, how, the, so how, the, how does the process of fitting the saddle to the horse look like is it like you need to get like a 25 different saddles and uh, find out and <laughs> and then horse of. horse not gonna tell you like hey this one is bad no, i prefer the other one um
1: i prefer to get a saddle fitter someone who is trained okay. in it um because i would be okay at it i would be able to know if a saddle was bad but i prefer um my boss one of the owners of the equestrian center nicola she is a one at it so if i have questions i just go straight to her Mm -hmm. um
0: so if you buy so if you buy a horse and mm -hmm. now you need to like regardless whether whether it's a livery or whatever you buy a horse and then you obviously need a saddle Mm -hmm. so similar like with with bike you need to get a bike fit you need to get person who is who knows what you're doing and then you can buy any saddle Mm -hmm. Or is it like you know you have a saddles that are I don't know more narrow? Yeah, or wider, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You do. I mean, you get you get saddles in all different shapes and sizes, and okay. for the so big, then
0: do you need to take that person with you so to say to buy a saddle a lot and of that person looks at horse. the horse, okay, yeah, look at the horse and like no, that saddle not gonna fit yeah. my horse. That- oh, there's okay. a couple of That's really good,
1: really good saddlers. Um, there's one or two that travel the country and that they bring quite a lot of saddles with them in a truck or in a trailer and they'll come and they'll look at your horse or you can pop your horse in a trailer and bring them to the saddler and i mean they could have three four hundred saddles that you could try right so this is
0: much more sophisticated than just go on the internet and order a saddle yeah
1: it really is um and i mean you can spend you name it you can spend it on a saddle um i mean you can pick up a cheap saddle for 50 euro you can spend five thousand if you want to um, and it also depends on how, how, what you as a rider prefer. So, yeah. you know, I, i have not got massive experience with bikes, but you can get, you know, quite a high seat or a deep seat that you mm. can sit into. Right. Um, so it depends on a, what suits your horse. And then once you've kind of got the measurements for your horse, you can go forward with, with that then and say, okay, well, I need such and such for my horse and I'd also like Right. So there's always like
0: a two parts of the saddle. Yeah,
1: so you know once it fits your horse comfortably and it's not going to um, affect their working way in in any shape or form, then you can go ahead and and decide what what kind of seat you like and how you like the knee rolls and it's um right. you can make it as easy or as complicated as yeah. you want. And then
0: probably there are different types of saddle depending on the discipline yes, as yeah, well absolutely. because I presume that for for the racing is Yeah, racing, racing saddles, saddles are
1: entirely they are <laughs> a whole different ball game.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so so saddles now uh can you give us uh, a little bit of a, of a you know specialistic lingo of all the stripes that going on the horse do you need to do that how do you call that? and probably each each piece has a different name so the, the
1: the thing that goes on their head yeah so we call that a bridle um you have bridles or bridles um, basically for both western and english um you really can get them in all shapes sizes colors um and this
0: is not some piece of equipment that goes with a saddle that's a kind of like a
1: no they're 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 separate um okay. and so like you can ride a horse with a with no saddle and and have a bridle on sure um so the the bit is the part that goes in their mouth um you can ride your horse bitted or bitless um bitless riding is. Hasn't been very popular for a long time. It is kind of starting to get there now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm slowly trying to wiggle my way into it. I Mm -hmm. really like it and would love to see it um, happen a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people get very fussy about different kinds of bits and what you should and shouldn't put in your horse's mouth. And Mm -hmm. I kind of, I think the only mantra you can stick to with that is, again, go back to if your horse is happy, Mm -hmm. that's it. So if they're happy with a bit, so don't bitless change. is without that piece. So bitless would mean that they don't have anything in their mouth. Right. And 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 it means that they've got that piece of it could be metal. It could be rubber. It it could be various different um, materials. Um, mm-hmm. And it sits on it doesn't sit on their teeth. A lot of people think it it, it sits on the horse's teeth. There's actually a gap um, mm-hmm. between the horse's premolars and their hind molars. Oh, really? Um, and the bits, you know, it sits there and it, right. it sits on the tongue. Um, And there are, I mean, thousands of different types of bits and each have Uh. or claim to have different actions and And things. And and do you
0: need to fit one that suits your horse as well?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on, it really depends on the horse. We try and use very mild, very, you know, non-invasive bits for the riding school horses because they do quite a lot of work um, and they've got, you know riders that are quite advanced and very gentle and then they might have a beginner who might pull a little bit too hard by mistake Mm purely because they don't know yeah so we try and make it as comfortable for the horses as possible but Mm -hmm. i mean no bit i think it was ever made to be cruel um i think regardless of the bit it, it comes down to the hands it's in yeah um so I mean finding a bit to suit your horse can be a bit of a minefield Mm -hmm. um I tend to go with something very straightforward first and Mm -hmm. then kind of assess the horse from there and see okay these are the different things we could try and you know you suss it out from there but really it's as complicated as you want to make it We, we try and keep it very straightforward and and if there's an issue, we try and look at it from a few different perspectives and mm-hmm. train out the issue rather than you know just keep changing and adding more bits and sure. pieces to the horse. Sure. Um, and yeah, that's it, really. I mean, like the, the bridle is is just made up of. Um, I mean, there's a part that goes across their forehead, and that all it's called a brow band. It just stops the bridle yeah. slipping back. Um, some horses need nose bands. Some horses don't. So that's the part that would go around, kind of just above the the muzzle area mm. um, there are 101 different kinds there are some people love some people hate sure. um, again we're very I think we're quite a minimalistic riding school in that we keep it very basic That's and good. we don't we try to keep as much junk off the ponies as we can but <laughs> I true. mean it, it depends on the horse and different horses require different things yeah. and you know if if a certain horse requires something then we'll use it but yeah. we, we try and keep yeah. it as basic as possible
0: what the saddle is made of is it mainly leather
1: it, they can be made of leather they can be made of a synthetic leather um they can be just made of uh, they're just you can get simply some synthetic ones okay um, are they like
0: a carbon fiber ultra yeah. light
1: yeah mm. they're like super light of ones. course of course um, for they racing used, yeah yeah <laughs> um carbon
0: fiber and racing right it goes um, hand in hand everywhere it really does (laughs) it really
1: does um you know mainly leather they do have like a faux leather now which is becoming quite popular people Mm -hmm. are, are seem to be stepping away from leather a little bit sure sure um
0: so what are the other pieces of tackle that that you kind of need? That's
1: kind of majorly it. I mean, those are the, the, things, two faces. the things
0: that the legs are going into. I don't know how what's the, the boots. The, no, no, the boots. The the attached? Oh, the to, shoes. The, are they attached to the yeah, saddle? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The sh- oh, that are attached to the saddle. No,
0: no, the things the things that you put putting your your feet on. On the, on the oh, saddle. the
1: stirrups. Sorry, the, stirrups, so the yeah. yeah. Sorry well, for they, her, no, uh, no. You're apologies
0: good. for everybody to everybody for my <laughs> lame terms.
1: you <laughs> um, The stirrups generally come attached to the saddle, and okay, so it's part I, of the saddle. Yeah. They're kind of part of the saddle, and they're they're just kind of they're not a necessity. Especially if you come for a lesson with me, I'll make you take them away for a while. Mm. But um, they're yeah, they're they're quite useful.
0: Okay, quite okay, useful. okay. So that's and what about this? Uh, I, I I remember again back in the days this kind of like a short stick with a with a loop at the end,
1: yeah. A crop or a whip, crop. crop yeah. So,
0: is it is it used for anything? Is it um,
1: like, so most riders, it has this negative
0: that, connotation that you kind of yeah, whipping the horse with it. Does. Right? Is um, it for? Is is that how you use it?
1: So well, what I try and encourage the our riders to do is, you know, if you squeeze your horse to ask it to walk forward and it doesn't listen, so mm-hmm. that's your first warning. Mm-hmm. Your second warning might be a little kick. Your third Mm -hmm. warning might be a click. Mm -hmm. And then if they've not listened, then they get, you know, a little sharp tap. Mm -hmm. So you're hoping that the next time they'll Mm -hmm. listen to you the first time. So, I mean, it should never be used as a punishment tool. It's not Mm -hmm. there to beat the horse over a jump. It's not there to punish them or Mm -hmm. tell them off. It's just there as a backup aid that if something was to go wrong, because I mean, regardless, you've got to make sure you're safe up there.
0: yeah Um, yeah. and
1: that you're you know i hate using the term in control but that you Mm -hmm. have some semblance of control if if things go wrong
0: yeah sure listen so and and this is interesting now because you you mentioned that some people think it's cruel and so Mm -hmm. on and not long ago i had a i have a girl on the podcast uh she was uh working in 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 the us on the on the ranch with the horses Mm -hmm. and she was breaking the horses and doing all that um and then uh, she said, "Like, but then I realize it's all cruel and it's all based on pain and it's so bad and like, stop! I stop it. I'm not. Don't want to have anything to do with it and 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 so on. So that's, that's that side which I found interesting because she was not coming from the perspective of someone who is, you know, like a uh, super animal rights mm-hmm. raging activist, but actually was doing that." But then on the other hand, like you like you mentioned, you see those horses and they kind of, you know, they come to you and they just and just so they don't don't seem like uh yeah. you know, those terrorized poor creatures. So so what's your take on that?
1: Uh I mean look, you can argue either way. Um I have seen things over like I've been riding for twenty plus years now. That's mildly terrifying. Um I've seen things that I've have horrified me. I think humans are we can be cruel when we want to be Mm. um i think there are certain ways and methods that are still used to this day that are outdated and are cruel and that absolutely need to be stopped
0: um that's interesting
1: but i think to generalize the whole thing and say that oh my god anyone that sits on a horse is absolutely cruel and is horrific and horrible to them um i think that's a real generalization yeah. i think to say that it's put on pressure that you know horses are trained through pain and pain only is absolutely incorrect Mm. Um, yes, there are people that do it, but you can say that about any sport, about anything, yeah, about ex- anyone.
0: Exactly. So, this, so there are like a, like a individuals yeah, and no. like in every discipline, there are individuals who are just bad people. Yeah, well, exactly. Like a you
1: know, I've had people compare um, keeping a horse in a stable to uh, the, the whales in SeaWorld, which is... I think utterly ridiculous because like when our school horses are finished they go and you've seen the big mountain out the back Mm. that's where they live right and so when I go up to call them in at 8 o'clock the next morning all 16 of those horses come galloping down the mountain to the gate so you know, someone could come along and say, "Well, they're conditioned to come in."
0: No, but but they're there's also a whole they're, they're mountain. Not, <laughs> they're not wild horses, no. right? There's, they're, they're domesticated. E- exactly. So comparing that with the whales or, or with with you know, killer whales is just rid- ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I've had that, and I
0: I don't. So they can't live without humans, right? Essentially,
1: they can. Just they can. can, they? can. I think in Ireland, probably not. They would become um, a pest. Um, yeah. Basically, with with
0: um, yeah, but the, but the, like a socio economical conflict aside, from the perspective of the habitat and yeah. like, could they just live on their own and they breed? They probably could. In, would in, they establish the right, like a population?
1: They more than likely would. I mean, if you oh, look really? at the, the Irish Connemara and the Kerry bog pony, they've thrived in Ireland um, for years, and okay. I think I think it would be wrong to say that horses need us. Mm-hmm. um i think that they would they would be just fine i think that evolution would kick in and certain breeds of horses mightn't survive as long as others and, oh yeah sure um but i mean you can argue either side of it and you can say that oh you know domestication of any animal is cruel but you know my m- mm. my dog sleeps in a double bed and i'm pretty sure she doesn't <laughs> find it cruel. doesn't mind no she doesn't <laughs> mind um i have seen and i do Look, I've seen both English style and Western style mm-hmm. um, of of what they call breaking in or starting off a horse um, yeah. be very cruel and very harsh. Um, I think if it's done the right way and it's done carefully and with the horse in mind, it can actually be quite a nice experience for both. So the that's horse. kind of
0: kind of uh, introducing horse yeah, to tr- the idea yeah. of someone sitting, sitting on his on back.
1: back. Um, you know. I think if you do it the right way and you do it slowly and some horses take a lot longer than others to get used to it but you've also got to weigh up the options that you know if we were to release all the horses in Ireland mm-hmm. you know we already have horses starved in fields yeah. that have been abandoned so you know
0: No oh, no that would, that would be obviously a bad idea yeah. because because even even through the way how the land ownership is set up in Ireland and I, I don't think there's enough no, habitat no, for, for, for horses.
1: Sure. So I think, you know, we've we've domesticated them and we now have to take responsibility for them and I think that as a species we need to take kind of ownership of the fact that we are responsible for a lot of these animals and that we need mm-hmm. to look after them and, and do right by them and I do think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... You know, a lot more people are coming around to um, doing things a little bit softer and a little bit right. gentler and keeping right. the horses, you know, mentality and physicality in mind. And, you know, I think in 50, 60 years, I don't think we'll see mm-hmm. much, if any, more yeah. animal cruelty. Yeah. And it's been a learning curve for 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 equestrians because um, they've had to evolve and develop and keep up. And I think while a lot of people give out about social media it's been fantastic because, you know, if someone catches it on video and posts mm-hmm. it online, you know, that person, Sure. okay, maybe shouldn't be persecuted for it. But, you know, it makes people think a little bit more before they do something because yeah, yeah. there's no anonymity behind it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all out there and in the yeah. open.
0: But in, in general... That's something to, to uh, you know, every 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 person who is serious about it keeps in mind. Yeah, and, for sure. and, and and you know, uh you, you can hear a lot about this bond that you mm-hmm. have with the horse and so on. So obviously that wouldn't work if, if the horse yeah, felt no. oppressed or tortured or whatever. Yeah, like, or didn't want to do it. Yeah. Trust
1: me, if you like <laughs> and what makes me laugh is you know, when people say, Oh, you know, the horse wouldn't do it if he didn't want to and my only answer to that is try and get a horse into a trailer that doesn't want to, because hmm. he will not go in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you right. know, when people say, oh, he wouldn't do it if he didn't want to, or hmm. they wouldn't come in if they didn't want to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I'm going to politely disagree.
0: Right, right. Listen, tell me, what's this story about the horseshoes? And the reason I'm asking about it is, like you said, like, okay, that horses probably could live wild, yes. right, in theory. So obviously they wouldn't have a horseshoes. Mm-hmm. So... What's the deal with that? Is it is it for a horse or is it for riders? Like
1: It's for the horse. The main reason, the most common reason a horse would wear shoes is a horse's hoof is made from um, pretty much the same thing our fingernails are made from. Yeah. Um, so they grow in the same way yeah. our fingernails grow. The main reason you put shoes on a horse is if the rate of wear exceeds the rate of growth. So if, as your horse is being worked... <sighs> the hoof wall wears away quicker than it can be repaired. So what you have is if anyone um, is like me and bites their nails, they'll have bitten them down too short or cut them too short at one point and it hurts. Yeah. Um, so there's an outer hoof wall and, and, and then we have what we call the white line, which separates the hard tissue from the soft tissue. Mm-hmm. So if your horse is doing quite a lot of work on hard ground, that hoof wall will wear away over time and you could get to the point where you go from the hard tissue to the soft tissue okay. and it be- can become quite painful and quite sore yeah. um in the wild a horse's feet um you know they travel a lot, so they wear it down but on softer ground so they generally don't wear oh, it down oh in a
0: in a while if it wears the faster than it grows it can run and it gets pulled out by wolves or coyotes yeah. that's all game so, over exactly <laughs> that's the um, wild that's what so called.
1: i mean you have again like the horse world you you can you can pick at anything you want mm-hmm. like you've pros and cons for bits pros and cons for bitless um pros and cons for Barefoot and pros and cons for shoes.
0: Also, oh, there is a bare like a you bare... can yeah. Oh, really? so
1: some of our and it, it depends on the horse. It's like so, we've got I think three, four, five. We've got about eight at the minute that are totally barefoot. Um, oh. And unless they're or, or when their workload increases, you know, because we're getting into busy season now, mm-hmm. we'll more than likely put um, two shoes on their front feet just okay. to to take the the massive concussion off them. Um there's two in particular, one of my ponies and one of the other school ponies who are kind of a hardier breed. They're what we call a cob, so they're mm-hmm. they're quite sturdy and quite yeah. heavy built and they'll probably never need shoes in their life. Okay. Um then you get I your, thought you were
0: gonna say that they need the shoes because they're heavy, so they're,
1: they're, no, well their their feet are tougher But their feet sturdy. are also yeah, they're, okay, they're rock okay. solid.
0: Yeah, okay, great, listen, so the question is but you we you, you mentioned uh kids and the uh, and mm-hmm. then can can kids get any allergies or do you have you heard about allergies for horses or or... kids
1: come to us with 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 horse allergies and dust allergies what a lot of parents you know if you've got a kid that desperately wants to ride you know they they might take an anti-allergen before they come okay um there are ways and means about it some kids have said that you know by persevering and pushing through it that Mm -hmm. they've kind of overcome their allergy a little bit um I do. I think I've got three or four kids that actually come to me religiously for lessons that have allergies. Right. Um, but like that, they take their their.
0: Yeah, but sometimes with with time, the the immune system they do system build up adjusts. a little bit
1: of an immunity to it, mm. um, which is which is fantastic. Not too many, to be honest. I think hay fever is what catches people out because obviously we store hay at the barn. Oh um, really? Well, we have to have it on site to feed the horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hay fever can can we can have a couple of sneezes. Um, okay, that's interesting. But no, it, as a rule, it's not a massive. There doesn't seem to be a massive amount of people allergic to horses, thankfully. Okay. okay. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And what's the best best age to start?
1: We had initially had children starting from age four. Oh. Um, and then we we sat down and we had to think about it, and we thought we had recently in the last i think year mm-hmm. started um a preschool program so for kids younger than four that maybe oh wow they wanted to come in and, and not even necessarily sit on the horse but maybe come in we've got a couple of really small ponies come just, and just to be around brush them and get used to them because i think when you take a four-year-old that's maybe never been around a horse or sat on a horse in mm-hmm. theory you know mm-hmm. they're like yeah yeah i want to do it and then when you put them on, they're like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, by taking them, you know, at age two and three and just introducing them to the concept of the horse and particularly kids that live in town that don't see large, you know,
0: never seen in herbivores, or... you know, and then they
1: see a horse and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it just takes that little bit of anxiety away from it. And that way, when they reach four and they're old enough to to start structured lessons that that fear is gone and that you know worry is gone and they're quite comfortable around them and i do think i mean i've seen kids come through this yard in the last like three and a half years who started off not being so shy that they couldn't say hi Mm -hmm. to not being able to keep them quiet um i do think it's 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 an outlet onto its own for kids oh
0: absolutely it's 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 like a therapeutic almost to to, to be with the animal and for sure because and again we mentioned the hypotherapy right there's there's a there's something there is a
1: massive like equine therapy is becoming a big thing equine therapy with with children with special needs with adults with special needs with children with anxiety with maybe social anxiety like any kind of you know maybe discomfort in a social situation There's something about a horse because it kind of, it doesn't talk back to you, but it almost feels like it listens.
0: Yeah. And because. And you're touching that that big animal and you you can feel it and how it moves and and its muscles. A
1: lot of like we've had kids with um, cerebral palsy, with with various different special needs and the simply sitting on and having the horse move underneath them. Yeah. Has been a really big benefit to them in in developing their muscles. You know, it's. it's. Hmm not unlike hydrotherapy i would think yeah um in that it's just i think as well it, from a, a mentality point of view um yeah. horses just have this kind of i think they're so big and so powerful yet they're so mm-hmm. calm and quiet and yeah relaxed that they just for me anyways they yeah. just make me body chill and out. mind body and yeah
0: mind. for sure good listen are the horses dangerous It they can be dangerous i mean look I I I heard like uh, people who are um, traveling on the horseback to in again in the United States through the you know uh, like a wilderness mm-hmm. and they worry about grizzly bears mm-hmm. and so on and so I say like, well look, this thing will kill you in two years. Pointing at their horse, they much more it's much more probable that you're going to get killed or injured by your own horse and by a grizzly bear if we are out in the wilderness. So how does it and and you know knowing that obviously here you, ha- you you are in much more controlled environment. But in general, like you mentioned, is it like a half a ton animal?
1: Um, at the end of the day, any one of the horses downstairs, none of them, I think, would intentionally... Horses is a rule flight animals. Mm. It is very seldom a horse will viciously attack someone unless they absolutely feel like they have no other option. Mm. Um...
0: But it's like by an an accident, it moves somewhere or or something that's like, because it's so big. Yeah, I
1: mean, I've had, I've had, I've I've been stood on, I've had some broken toes and things. And, you know, you have to be aware of, you know, where you are in in relation to the horse. And we're always slightly more cautious of new horses when they come in. And, um, I suppose you do get a little bit more complacent around the ones that have been here for a longer time, Mm -hmm. um, I've been kicked, I've been bitten. it happens, mm-hmm. but I've also been around quite a lot of young horses, mm-hmm. some potentially like some horses with maybe some behavioral issues. I mean it's the same with dogs. they're just a lot mm-hmm. bigger. so once you're aware of what you're doing, I think and once you've got the the right people with you to help you understand sure. how to behave around the horse um and I think it has a lot to do with 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 that I mean. Horses, as a rule, once you're aware of how they tend to react to a certain situation, you try and either avoid the situation or desensitize them to the situation. Mm. So if you've got a horse who is fixated on traffic cones, hates traffic cones, gets really freaked out by traffic cones, you then Mm. take that and you maybe go and... I won't say steal traffic cones but recreate traffic cones in a controlled environment and
0: inoculate the horse
1: no not even necessarily but you know maybe not ride the horse stand on the ground introduce them to what it is that's Mm. scaring them and help them understand that okay it's not going to jump up and bite you and eat you because, mm-hmm. you know, you understand that a plastic bag blowing in the wind is not yeah. going to kill you. But to your horse, yes. something's just jumped out of the bushes and isn't floating yeah. in front. So, I mean, there are there are dangers, obviously. But I mean, that comes with working with any animal. And I mean, in any of the higher risk sports, there's always that mm-hmm. kind of in the back of your mind. You need to be aware of what you're doing and aware and and, and take
0: you need to be aware of that half-toned herbivore around yeah. you. That's,
1: <laughs> yeah, and take responsibility and think. I mean, I think that's that's the big thing is people need to just be aware of, you know, and it, that it, it's a horse and it's an animal. And that, you know, if you use your brain and you think about mm. it and you're aware of what you're getting yourself into, then... You can have the most fun you'll ever mm. have.
0: Listen, you, you, I want to touch on on one thing, which is kind of goes. You mentioned like a like a traffic cones or mm-hmm. the plastic bag and so on. And and again, from my very limited experience with horses, uh, you know, back in the years, I remember horses who were afraid of the ad of the you know there was a, like an ad mm-hmm. of the of the shoes shop or something, and the horse yeah. was was scared to death of that. Or the other one was like a pedestrian crossing. Mm-hmm. A, is like couldn't just handle pedestrian crossing and is and and you mentioned like intelligence of the horses and mm-hmm. whether they're smart or not. And I think that from these kind of like anecdotal uh um, you know episodes comes sometimes it comes like oh horses are stupid like you know they, yeah. they're stupid they go oh jesus like, you know there's an ad on the wall and they like what do you say like and, and you mentioned like they're they're much more intelligent than the people are giving them credit or would you would you elaborate on that a well, little bit
1: what you've got to think about it is we understand what that is on the wall because we can read it and we can understand it and we know okay that's a, that's a sign for gucci or that's a sign for this or that all the horse sees is this massive square thing, either flapping or flashing, and if the horse hasn't been shown that, it's a bit like taking, you know, taking a child to the cinema for the first time. You know, they don't know that they're going to get that big loud noise all of a sudden, and we know. Yeah. So it's it's a process of training, and it's just showing them. I mean, yes, they're intelligent, but I mean. You can't sit down and say, OK, Pony, we're going to go here, here and here today. There's going to be three pedestrian crossings. You'll know those because they're marked <laughs> out with the white line, you know. So by intelligence, they understand when the time is taken to show them and educate them. Um, but I think people either expect too much or or when the horse has maybe an adverse reaction to something they get frustrated and oh, you're a stupid horse, and you don't understand yeah. it's like and
0: people don't taking time to understand what what causes at reaction. It from the
1: horse's point of view, and I mean that goes with with everything from you know going back to your sports and your show jumping, and mm-hmm. you know all the horses that we use in the in our riding school, they go through a rigorous you know trial period before we decide whether or not they're going to stay, where oh. they're taken out by um, by us ourselves we take them out and we try them out and we show them all the things that they could potentially come across and you know Mm. we'll we'll ride them down the beach and you know throw our reins at them and you know pretend to almost fall off and you know put them Mm. in the situations that they might encounter at some point
0: so they Um, know so they kind of it's not the first time yeah
1: exactly so that they can be comfortable and they can know okay my rider is unbalanced, I'm going to slow down, you know. Oh, really? You know, and okay, at the end of the day, they're an animal and, you know, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And you can never guarantee, you know, I've known some of these horses for eight years nearly now. And, you know, in eight years, they might never do anything. At the end of the day, it's an animal and it's got its Mm -hmm. own brain um
0: yeah and situation is different for him now yeah than and the... i mean
1: so you can do the best you can and you can encourage and horses thrive off routine oh they absolutely thrive off routine their whole digestive system is built around routine so if you can encourage them with routine and with consistent compassionate training you end up with horses that are relaxed and enjoy their job and that's very
0: interesting because that speaks to the earlier point about the uh, cruelty or, or no yeah. like if if that's that's what's what the place to the to the horse's benefit right if you because in that control environment you can build the routine mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's 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 great and 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 good to know that listen uh one final thing could you walk us through the types or species of of horses that are like just in the, in the you know, for the person who is not, uh, you know, familiar. familiar. They just know there's a pony and there's a big horse yeah. and there's a, but what? I'm sure there's, a, so first of all, are there Species or subspecies, or this is the same species. Everything is the same species. So
1: ponies like, and horses are are technically, they they're genetically speaking, they are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Very slightly different, but they are slightly different. But can they interbreed? Yes.
0: Okay, so yes. they're like a within the same species. Yes. Yeah, so and the, be and, the, and the offspring is viable. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so okay.
1: it's not... So you can breed a horse and a donkey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the, but the offspring is... But the mule is, the mule is not, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you can breed a horse and a pony and the, the offspring is generally fertile. Okay. Um, horse breeds are... I mean, no more than dog breeds, there are hundreds of thousands of different ones. Oh, the right. most common ones you find in Ireland, you've got your Irish native breeds, which would be... Your Connemara pony, which is probably the most well known mm. um so they're from the west of Galway and um, quite close to where I'm from um down in Kerry, you've got Kerry bog pony, which aren't as popular as they used to be
0: Kerry bog pony, yeah, they were there quite
1: useful um they were used a couple of years ago for bringing turf in from the bog oh of course um and then you have the Irish draft, which is a, still a really popular breed worldwide um you've always got the you've got the Irish sport horse which is a cross between an Irish draft and a thoroughbred, mm-hmm. which would be a racehorse. Yeah. So it's got the speed and stamina of a racehorse, yeah. but the calm temperament of an Irish draft. Right. So they tend to make some of the most um, well-known and, and, and really realistically best competition horses. Mm. Um, at the center, at, at TEC, we've got, I think, about four or five different breeds. Um we've got one <laughs> Shetland pony, my Shetland Pongo. Mm. Um he is uh, the devil incarnated but we love him. <laughs> um he's Is that the one
0: with the long hair? It was the Shetland pony. He's ponies? a
1: little one so he's about he's the size of maybe a Newfoundland dog. Oh really? Um but he's spotted. He's white and spotted like a Dalmatian hence <laughs> the name. Um then we've got a couple of cobs which are one of my favorite breeds and cobs are are quite common across Ireland they would be the ones you would see quite a lot Um, they're generally either black and white or brown and white and they've got those lovely hairy legs and they're Mm. quite chunky and quite robust Um, we've got two Dutch warm bloods on the yard at the minute one is our our stallion um, twin Um, the owner Podrick he he jumps him and he's jumped him quite successfully over the last couple of years and he's just started getting ready to make babies so that's very exciting we're really looking forward to that so hopefully we've got the first baby on the way Wow. Um, Dutch warm bloods obviously come from Holland they would not be maybe necessarily a hardy breed mm-hmm. they take a little bit less mind a little bit more minding a little bit more TLC they're mm-hmm. quite sensitive souls but <laughs> they're very talented very athletic breeds um, we've got a couple of sport horses and we've got one or two Irish drafts as well my, one of my other horses is a, an Irish draft cross so we've got a little a little bit of everything Um sport horses and cobs are are generally the most common in Ireland you've got some breeds people would recognise would be um, a Frisian which is, you see them in all every movie when someone is riding a horse majestically into battle it's that big black horse that the, oh, okay. the, the lead character is always riding um <laughs> always seriously look in every do you, do you
0: have that like knowing so much about horses do you have that that you're yes, watching a movie yes it is like, no,
1: so frustrating no, no it's not how it's it works so frustrating i um, i
0: i, I was like my friend who who is in a in a bow hunt, in, a, in, a, in a shooting bow and he was watching robin hood or something yeah, like that and he was like no it's, it's not how it it's works it's super
1: annoying and <laughs> the one the one thing that gets me and uh, i say it every time i watch a movie is horses don't actually neigh that much Mm -hmm. you know when 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 they're in a movie and they're like galloping into battle i have never heard once actually i tell a lie i've only in my life once heard a horse whinny as it as it galloped and that was purely because it was fat and couldn't catch up to its friends (laughs) they don't make that much noise like they don't wicker and whinny when people are getting on them and it's like the same sound bite every movie uses right, over and over right. again. And it's so irritating. They probably
0: have it in the library of yeah. sounds and just putting it like, a, um, give, me, give me a horse the, sound. The,
1: the one thing that really, really, really gets me is when they use different horses with like very slightly different markings. Mm-hmm. So the film War Horse, which is a, it's a really, really, really good film. And obviously they had to use different horses to play the main horse. Yeah um but like their 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 markings were entirely different throughout mm-hmm. the movie so you could tell which horse was which and yeah. it was just yeah. i mean it's look it's so just
0: your regular viewer probably never yeah no but <laughs> when
1: when when you're kind of a, that's
0: kind of common theme and once you're into something yeah, and then you, you, start you, to and you the see falls. that presented in the yeah, movie for sure which is not the like a main thing and we said oh my god
1: yeah for sure no it's a. Yeah, it gets a
0: bit annoying. Listen, Rachel, I think you—I you, asked the question without knowing what I'm asking, and you gave me far more sophisticated <laughs> answers than the. So, is there a, like a distinction between like a you know racing horse, working horse, yes, pony? And then within those, there are different breeds and so on. So, um, so
1: yeah. yeah. So your your horses for racing are generally it would be like the equivalent of a Porsche, I would suppose. Yeah, they're quite streamlined. They're quite dainty. And
0: that's a that's a type of horse that you cannot then use for let's say for beginners or because of its character. Generally,
1: no, but it depends on how the horse is trained. So it's nature versus nurture. Hmm. So you know your horse your thoroughbred horse will be faster and you know it they're genetically bred to be fast and to run and to be quick so and that comes as
0: an expense of something else
1: yeah so they're generally you know sometimes they can be what we would call sharper which means that they're a bit quicker to react to situations okay whereas your traditional irish cob is a bit slower and you know, they take things a little bit more in their stride and they're a little bit more chilled out. <laughs> so, you know, again, you know, you can't say that every thoroughbred mm. is a lunatic and they're nuts and they're bonkers. I mean, I've had a, a thoroughbred that was the quietest horse I ever owned. Sure. Um, and I've had some, met some cobs that are absolutely lunatics. Mm. But yes, as a rule, you know, your different breeds serve different purposes And different breeds are better at different things. And then you have
0: these working horses, right? Yeah, like your your Clydesdales
1: and your Belgian drafts. And I mean, they're not; they don't do so much anymore. I think it's it's slowly being phased out, which is kind of a pity. Mm. Um, Now I know because
0: it's like no no use for them anymore. So no one is breeding. And I
1: know in in Belgium they they still use the Belgian drafts for logging. And I mean, these Mm. horses are incredible they are so big and so like they are like literal tanks right um so as in ireland i don't think a whole lot of horses work in in a agricultural sense anymore i think Mm -hmm. you know they work in the tourism sector or they work i mean it's mainly Mm -hmm. the tourism sector to to be realistic um which is a pity but also you know a lot of people fall in love with the breeds and mm-hmm. they they breed them and they maintain them for showing and so you know maybe it's not entirely a bad thing that we don't you know make horses plow our fields sure. anymore and that sure. tractors yeah. do it and yeah. that they can have a bit of a nicer life and you know just go to a show on a Sunday exactly have a chill
0: listen so one last question and it might be a little bit controversial one but I but I gotta ask it because it's it just interests me are the horses bred for for meat and it's like, do you, what's your, I, is it is it like, a, you know, for us, like, a, oh, we we know that in Asia people eat dogs, but we not really eat dogs. Is that in the same category?
1: I think, I think Ireland generally, well, horse meat, I don't even think is I, I don't think it's sold in Ireland. Um, horses are not killed for consumption in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know. So it's
0: not established practice.
1: No, they are, they can be sent to the factory and slaughtered um i think the meat then is used for i don't think it can be used for human consumption okay so as far as so i know probably like for, i'm, for I'm dog not for a pet. fan of of sending well well obviously because yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's
0: like equivalent of of, of yeah. dog and we can can fathom like an idea of yeah. actually
1: i think it for me i suppose i'm i'm not a vegetarian so i do get quite a lot of stick for saying this I think it's different sending a family pet of 18 years in a trailer to a factory to be slaughtered yeah than it is to a cow who has maybe never had
0: one-on-one personal right. affection I is, don't Is that how it works because I don't even think about like a family pet right like, It can I, I, do
1: I mean it really? depends
0: like I've, I've I've Is that what happened to the old horses
1: Not always it like it depends on the scenario I mean All right. you could look at it this way someone could be looking to rehome their 20 year old horse that is you know they just want to find a retirement home for it and the person who has it says well i could make 500 bucks sending this horse to the right. factory and they could do that so sure you know it's it's hard to know what's right and what's wrong and it's really hard to kind of have an wow. opinion without getting that's, emotional about That's unexpected
0: about it. because I was more thinking about, you know, are, are there any operations that are breeding horses? Not like, in like Ireland. I don't, no, for... not in Ireland, okay. I don't
1: think. Um, it it tends to be unwanted or um, maybe horses that are no longer of use to people, which mm. I struggle with. I think it's a bit yeah. inhumane. I'd rather So what's the
0: ideal scenario for an old old horse how it should be done if so you if you if you're, if you're owning if you have like an old horse which is just you know retirement
1: Okay well so at, at the minute we've got one horse in full retirement here oh. um, and he he belongs to um Nicola mm-hmm. and she's one of the owners and Fred is 23 now He's an Irish draft and Fred has the life I hope I have when (laughs) I get old. Um, So Fred is, he's no longer fit to be ridden. He's just that bit older. Mm -hmm. He's got arthritis, but we've got the all clear that he's quite happy to live out. So he, in the wintertime, we make sure that he gets out and he moves around just enough to keep him happy. Just to
0: exercise. And so
1: long as he is comfortable and not in pain he'll stay here and he'll live out the remainder of his days and if it gets to a point where he's uncomfortable or he's in pain then I am a massive advocate of you know euthanasia Mm -hmm. because I do think it's the one thing we can do for them that we can't necessarily do for ourselves and I think it goes for any animal so I mean I can see Fred if I look out the window and Mm. he's out in the field surrounded by all his girlfriends Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's quite happy and he comes in for his breakfast and you know, hmm. he, he's Great. he's lived a fantastically long life and been was a very, very successful horse with Nicola when he was younger. And I mean, I think that's the ideal scenario. We're quite lucky in that we can do that for our horses. Mm-hmm. Um, one or two of our older riding school horses, um, when it was time for them to be retired, different students, maybe we're in a position to say, hey, look, if you want to retire him, I'll take him I'll and take he can him. stay with me. And I think that's lovely for them. Mm-hmm. um to go and and to spend a year or or, or five or ten years of yeah. their retirement being loved and hugged and kissed yeah. and rewarded for having yeah. for, for working for so like long
0: a, like a like a, like the old dog oh well, that's it really
1: i mean and like i said our ethos like the one thing i love and the one thing that drew me to working here you know versus any other equestrian center was that the horses come first and that they mm. will always come first yeah. Yeah. And and we love meeting new people, and we've met people from all around the world. And I think the one review that we consistently and constantly get is that the horses are happy, <laughs> and that for me, if if the horses are happy, no I'm happy.
0: Listen, that's that's been great talking to you, and you're you're. I think a lot of listeners get a lot of that uh, from that, and. I can even tell that with talking to you that you know you're you're very kind of grounded, no nonsense person. <laughs> uh and, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is this is all comes from, you know, being outdoors, being in the nature, you know, uh having like a this interaction with the animals, which is which is always great. Recent Rachel tell us uh, just for, for the end, like how people can uh, get in touch, how people can avail for for services of a center here, what's the best way to reach you, how you find it, and, and so on. Uh,
1: well, we're pretty easy to find. We're on Facebook. If you just check out Truly Equestrian Center on Facebook, our website is com, or you can give um, you can give me a call in the office on um, 089-258-4650 and uh, we'll be happy to help you out and get you saddled up.
0: That's perfect, Rachel. Thank you very much.
1: All right. Thanks for having us.
0: You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.